Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. From the corner, Barry. Rick Barry has not missed the free throw against Washington. Now it is Barry. Back to Clifford Ray. Goes to Rick Barry. Golden State getting that ball moving. Intended for Barry. Barry, look at that pass. Rick Barry, look at that shot, would you? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Barry wants to make a move. There's a Barry. He's got his shot. Hey everybody, Rick Barry here with the, uh, that's right, surf man himself here with me, Cyrus Atchis, that's exactly right, and I dare you to try to spell his name correctly. Uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as Krzyzewski, but it's uh, it's a tough one. It's, it's up there, it's up there. <laughs> anyway, I uh, hope you've been good, Cyrus, uh, and a lot of things going on in the world of basketball. I still get such a kick, at, not, not a kick, but it's just, it's almost humorous to me. All of these people coming up with these possible trades and doing this and doing that. I guess they don't have anything else meaningful to talk about. So they have to talk about bullshit that you don't even know is going to happen. And then, you know, speculate that this can happen, that can happen, this can happen. There's so many things involved in this. And then, again, you know more about it than I do. And I admit I don't know about it. I don't want to know about having to figure out the salary cap issues and all the other stuff that is involved. It becomes so convoluted. It's a waste of my freaking time. Let's talk about something that really means something. Let's talk about, you know, is Chris Paul going to help the Warriors out? Okay, because he is definitely there. This is not something that people are speculating about. Uh, it's, It's just it's. It really is humorous at a town, but I do think that he's going to have an opportunity to make the team really tough because a key to success for any team is what's your bench like? Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about this. You, you're you bringing in somebody of his caliber to possibly be the guy leading the second unit and at right. times being on the floor with Steph Curry, which would free Steph up from having to bring the ball up and do those things. And he's so good moving without the basketball. I mean, the shots that Chris should be able to create for not only, you know, for Steph and the rest of the team, claim whatever. I mean, I, I'm excited about that aspect of it. I mean, I really am. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for all sports, including basketball, football, baseball, boxing, golf, hockey, soccer, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest. An easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. So Absolutely. It's going to be fun to see what happens. And, and and then they want to go small. That could be very interesting with Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, right? Clay Thompson. And then, you know, and depending upon what they want to do, if they don't want to go with Looney, right? And they want to go with the shooting from the outside, you know, their new pickup. You know, I'm trying to pronounce those guys' foreign names. I feel like Johnny Moston. Or you heard the story about Johnny Moston when he was doing – no. Johnny Post was a longtime broadcaster for the Boston Celtics. He was a chain smoker. Adam Moist like this. And Bird uh-huh, throws yeah, the ball. Yeah. And, Bird, and Bird throws it to Johnson. And 
So he was doing the McDonald's had the games before the season. And we go over it and, and broadcast some of that stuff when I was broadcasting. And they were doing the game with what I think it was the Serbian team or whatever. And so most didn't even take, he didn't even spend any time at all trying to learn how to pronounce the names, right? <laughs> and the guy with the beard throws it to the guy with the mustache and the guy with the mustache. I mean, it was the most hysterical. You have to look that up. I think it's on the internet. I will. You look, folks, look it up. If you don't laugh at that, I, it was classic. It was absolutely classic. But what is it, sir? So anyway, they can go with a team, you know, other than Draymond, who's not the three-point shooter, but they can go with a team that can shoot. And with Kaminga getting to be a pretty decent three-point shooter now as well in his athleticism, I mean, hell, you could even put Draymond on the green and go really small and have five guys out in the perimeter who could all shoot three-point shots at a pretty high efficiency from 35 and above. That would be interesting to see how a team would match up against that and how they would attack him. So there's just so many things that Steve is going to be able to do uh, with the lineup that they have. And let's throw this in there now because we'll get to the questions from other people so I don't have to – I don't want to, you know, like cover all their stuff because they have questions that I may answer. Right, I, right. Well, I get on talking. You think I'm bad now? I'm going on a cruise with my wife uh, this fall, and I'm going to go over and I'm going to actually try to go and actually kiss the Blarney Stone. So if I can talk like this without having kissed the Blarney Stone in Ireland, which is supposedly if you do that, you have the gift of the gab. Okay. I might be really dangerous when I come back from this trip if I kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> so so uh, anyway, it's going to be fun to see uh, see what happens. But I did watch. And I saw some some uh, some video of uh, of the Warriors in their pick in the other the other guy second round pick. He I like some of the stuff that I saw from him. Absolutely. I mean, really, I know he's athletic. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, this, this is Dale Davis's fun. kid you're what? referring to, right? This is Dale Davis's kid, Trace yeah. Jackson Davis. Yeah, 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 for sure. Love it. Love I, it. I, I I like what I saw. Now, of course, you know they always pick the best stuff. But here's the deal: you still have to do it. Now, maybe right. you don't do it as often as you like a guy to do it, but he has the potential to do those kinds of things because it's there on video to see. So that's going to be fun to uh, to see how that plays itself out. So let's get let's get if you why don't you add something if you want. And otherwise, let's well, get I to just, the questions. The only thing I wanted to add, and I'd love your perspective on this, and I want to add this because it's not really discussed that much, um, is the fact that Chris Paul has been revered for for over a decade. I mean, since the beginning of his playing career as a leader, like you hear Charles Barkley on a, on a inside the NBA always call. And it's become like a running joke at this point, but he always calls Chris Paul, like the greatest leader in the NBA. But I mean, the Warriors now have, you know, this, this incredible leader. What does that mean to you? And, and does that conflict with Draymond and Steph and Kerr? Because he's vocal and he, he likes to run things his way. Will there be a, a conflict there? And just what, what are your thoughts on adding this personality in Chris Paul to the dynamic. Well, I don't think it'll be a pr problem with Steph. I mean, look what Steph did. Steph was deferred to KD. You know, I mean, right, God. right. Yeah, two-time MVP. <clears throat> I mean, so no problem with him. I don't think Clay is that type of a guy. Clay, no, Clay's smart enough. No, she, this guy's going to get me a lot of good shots. You know, right. <laughs> so why would you be upset with him? The only guy that you know uh, might take an offense to it because he even mentioned about it because he never was a fan of Chris Paul is Draymond. And right. why he even came out and said that publicly, I don't know. Why would you even bring that up, Draymond? My God, that's between you and him and the team. Work it out amongst yourselves. You, you know, don't air your dirty freaking laundry. Right. Okay? <laughs> you know. You, you, anyway, but that's Draymond. I mean, that's the way he is. I mean, Draymond is the way I used to be, and at times I still am. And my wife said, "Honey, 
what goes in your brain doesn't necessarily have to come out of your mouth. You need, <laughs> right. you need to have a filter. Yes. Filter it. Filter it. Draymond has no filter. Okay. So we have to accept that and understand that. And so I'm sure they're going to work it out. I mean, why would you do anything to jeopardize having somebody like that, you know, fit in and be an integral part of your team's success? Because that's right. what it's all about. It's not, it shouldn't, I tell people all the time, and I've talked to some teams before, in fact, some of the Warrior teams, if you want to make it work this season, take your ego and put it in the closet until the season's over. It's yes. not about you anymore. It's now about the team. What can you do to help this team be successful? And if it requires some sacrifice on your point part, obviously you should be prepared and willing to do that. And if it is an issue or something, then you don't talk to the press about it. You go into Steve Kerr and you sit down with him and you express your thoughts and your ideas or your concerns and you work it out internally. That's the way it needs to be handled. So, Agreed. Are you ready to get to the listeners? Let's get yeah. Let's get to some of these questions so that we you know we probably already answered a bunch of them. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, I, I like your your strategy of getting into these sooner so there's no redundancies. Uh, here is Craig from Pleasanton. Hey Rick, this is Craig from Pleasanton. Steph Curry just named his all-time NBA starting five, which was Magic, Jordan, Shaq, Kobe, and Duncan. I'm surprised that he had Duncan over Bill Russell or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If you had to choose, what would be your NBA starting five of all time? And well, Rick, first, just, of all, first of just, all, just to add to that real fast, uh, and sorry to interrupt, but Stephen Curry originally listed Larry Bird, and then he backtracked, took Bird out, and put Kobe in as his three. That's all. Okay, go ahead. Interesting. Uh, well, you know, a lot of these guys haven't really seen people, and you know, Steve Kerr the same way. And there's no way, you know. And I have great respect. Shaq was the most dominant player during his time, one of the great players of all time. Would I love to be a teammate of his? Absolutely. But would I pick him over 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 Will Chamberlain? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Seriously. I mean, there there isn't any comparison as far as I'm concerned. I mean, right. I've watched these guys and I played against one of them. I mean, the stuff that Will did is just ridiculous. Uh, so it's pretty hard to leave him off. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he's probably picking. He seemed like he was picking by different positions, power forward or what have you. Correct. For me, Correct. I, I would take the I would take the luxury of making a change, and I take Bill Russell as my power forward because I don't care if he scores a point. I don't need him to score one point. Correct. Okay. I have Wilt who averaged fifty. I'm going to have Michael who can average forty and get yep. forty or fifty forty at any time. You know, I mean, and so I'm playing on this team. You know, I'm not playing with Bird. I'm playing. You know, forget Bird. He, I'll take Bird's place. I'm playing. Okay. I want, and these are the four guys I would play with. I would want to have Wilt at center, Bill Russell at power forward. I would play the three. I take uh, Michael at the two, and the most difficult one of all is 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 the point guard position. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hard not to say magic and all, but here's the deal: in today's game, if we're playing with the three point shot, how do I not take Steph Curry? Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, the greatest shooter from three point range, and with all those other guys, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, I, I'm taking Steph Curry. I'm sorry. I, I'm just such a big Steph Curry fan. And on that team, Steph Curry would be insane. I mean, it would be ridiculous. And I would defy anybody to think they're going to go in and get an easy, uncontested layup at any time and drive from 30 feet out like you see happen sometimes and dunk the ball. With Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain in there, that's just not happening, folks. 
It's not happening. And all the guys that are mentioned are all great players. And would I love to be a teammate of Tim Duncan's? Absolutely, I would. You know, Kobe Bryant, love Kobe. You know what a big fan I've been of Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I, I knew him with such a tragic loss, you know, but I love Kobe. Would I love yeah. to have played with Kobe Bryant? Absolutely, I would. So, you know, this is all stuff, but that's that's that's, that's what I pick. I, I, those are the four guys I would want to play with. And then I would be happy to play against any other five people people want to put on the floor. I love and just And just to recap, so, so the Rick Barry starting five is uh, Will Chamberlain as your center. Uh, uh, Bill Russell is your power forward. You as a small forward. Michael Jordan, Stephen Curry. Yep. I like it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, here is Greg. Mr. Barry, with the mix of players that the Warriors now have, who on that team from last year will have to change their role to make that team go this year? Mm. Mm. Uh it depends upon who he decides on, you know, starting, whether he's going to have people off the bench or not. Probably Kaminga is going to have to be. Kaminga was coming along. I, I think of all the things that happened with the team in the playoffs, the most surprising thing was to me is how Kaminga didn't get to play because he really was making, he was making advancements. His three-point shooting was up over 35%. He's got Correct. athleticism. He can get to the basket. Um yeah, I, I'm hoping that this is a big breakout year, kind of what it was for Jordan Poole two seasons ago for Kaminga. Right. Um, I mean, because he's got, yeah, with his athleticism and, you know, learn, move like Steph, move without the ball. He's got players that will get the ball to him. Steph will do that as well. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping Kaminga will be the guy. And then hoping that, you know, the new additions to the team and, and the, the draft picks will be able to add something to it. But as far as any one guy, if I had to pick one guy, well, the other guy too, because he was didn't play hardly, then he got to play more as Moody. Right. You know? Right. And he's awesome. So, I love Moody. I yeah. love So I, I you know, I, I would say those two guys need to, you know, take some steps forward and and you do what's required based upon how the team's playing. Right. And play, you know, those guys would be such a blessing for them, you know, for them to be on the court and to be playing with, with CP3. I mean, my God, he can help them so much. And I'm sure he's going to give them advice and talk to them about things and see what they're doing or not doing. You know, you know, no, on that play there, you don't want to make it. You missed it. You should have been to cut. You should have gone here. You really, it's, it's kind of an ongoing learning experience when you're playing. And this is where the veteran players need to come come through you need to help these guys you need to bring them along you need to spoon feed them you need to hold their hands at times you need to bring it out i, I i'm telling you back when i broadcast i was shocked because they let the media into practices back then and they stopped a lot of that now mm-hmm. but i would watch a team go out and they're practicing and they're scrimmaging and they're scrimmaging playing 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 and i'm watching so many things happening that were so many things that were wrong that the teams were doing as far as man ball relationships and not screening off the boards and they're still just playing playing i'm going what what when i coached I blew my whistle every time. And I told like Clifford Ray, who was ever working with me stuff. If you see something happen, that was the wrong thing. It was a mistake. Blow the whistle. And the rule is when the whistle is blown, you stop exactly where you are. And then I would stop and I go, Cyrus, what just happened? I want to know if you knew what the hell just happened. I've had coaches <laughs> like you, sir, who have done well, that. Because, yes. because it's a learning experience. Yes, you yes. learn through the mistakes that you make. But if you don't know you're making a mistake, then how the hell are you improve on it? Yep. You're going to what? You're going to keep making the same damn mistake. Yep. So 
that that's the part that I think is really critical for them to be able to talk to him. I remember, I, you know, I tried to talk to Jamal. In fact, I used to joke with Jamal, who was Keith Wilkes at the time when he was a rookie. And we, I would guard him when we were practicing. My God, he would like make everything. I said, listen, Keith, here's the deal. When you play in the game, you know, they have this thing about visualization and stuff. I said, not that I'm a big believer in all that crazy stuff, but I said, just visualize my face on your opponent because if that's you see that, you're going to be like you never miss when you're guard when I'm guarding. Right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good call. Uh, here is a Nick Conser. Do you see the Warriors making any more moves before the end of the off season? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. Well, I, I can call Mike Dunleavy Jr. and try to find out what's going on in his brain, but he seems to be doing some nice things. Uh, I would not be surprised. I know I, I really wouldn't uh, if there was a veteran or somebody out there that they thought could, you know, bring some, some veteran experience to the table um, that could happen. But right now with the moves that they've made, I think this is a better basketball team than last year. Oh yeah. I by far. I, by, and now, now, now it all comes down to one thing. What commitment are the players going to make to being a great team, defensive team, right? That's what it comes down. It's not the individual defense. You don't win championships on individual defense. That's a bonus if you got a good guy, make a guy work harder. You win with team defense. Right. Helping one another, rotations, understanding what's going on, screening guys off the boards, controlling your defensive boards, you know, getting it out, running, filling the lanes, doing all the passing cuts, the stuff the Warriors do so well, have done so well over the years. And that's going to be the defining uh, element, I think, to determine just how good a season they're going to have, along with being hopefully blessed with good health. And just to add to that, Rick, and you're, you're absolutely right, the Warriors are one of the few teams in the NBA that actually have not filled out their roster. Uh, and I've been saying that a, a possible strategy behind this move is waiting for the buyout market um, because a player like JaVale McGee could, could potentially become available. And whereas a lot of other teams, their rosters are, are packed, they're, they're set, the Warriors have, in theory, two roster spaces so they could capitalize on that buyout market. So. It is maybe a smart move on their part, really, yes. to see what, what, what evolves. Because let's face it, the 14, it, they, people will go deeper. They're not going 14, 15, okay? Right. The only time that's happened is if you got a bunch of injuries and guys move up the, you know, the, you know, the, the ladder a little bit, and you know, maybe you're 10 or something, you know, because most teams only go 8, 9. Oh, the Warriors, you know, when they won in the first time after 40 years, they were, you know, went 10, 10 deep, maybe 11. But now you have 15 guys. I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's just not going to, that's not realistic to think that that's going to happen, but um, you're, you're absolutely right. So they have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to sit back and watch and see what transpires and what happens. I don't know what the rule is. I guess they have to have 15 players on 14. their roster. Because 14 is the, 14 is the bare minimum. You have to have 14. Oh, you have to, I, well, because I know it's 15-man roster and two two-way guys, So, but it's 14 is required. Okay, Correct. And yeah. this year, a weird caveat is you can have three two-way players. Uh, they've added a third one for teams, but th this th this part does is that, does, that, does that go to – so you can have 15 regular rosters and three on the two-ways? Correct, but uh, uh, one caveat to that rule is if the NBA – if among the 30 NBA teams – if the average number of players on a roster dips below 14.5, meaning uh, the majority of NBA teams are using that third two-way spot to not fill the 15th spot, um, then teams will be uh, disallowed from, from having a third 
to a player. I don't, Darius, this is this is why I have you as a as a <laughs> co-host because I don't want to. That's the kind of minutia stuff that I really <laughs> don't is, give a rat's butt about. It's new. That's new. That is very new. Yeah, but no, I don't, no, and I, that's why I have you to fill in. Cause <laughs> I don't want to be bothered with that stuff. I want to talk substance, you know, substantive stuff. Substantive yeah. stuff. I mean, this is the crazy. So anyway, that shows you how nutty it is. So let's it get to the nutty. next call. It is nutty. Here's Jim. Here's Jim Cleveland. Hey, Rick, I was interested to find out how you ended up adopting the underhand shooting style. Uh, was it something you were just having a mental block with the overhand style or you just felt it was easier to make free throws underhand? OK, well, that, that was, that's been around forever. I've answered that question so many times. Let me see. Let me push the button. Let me see here. Free throw answer. OK. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I didn't have a mental block. I mean, I just I wasn't I was a scorer, not a great, great shooter. I was 75 percent or something from the free throw. line. My dad is the one that got me to do it. Semi-pro player coach said, son, you could shoot better this way. I said, I don't want to do it because everybody's going to make fun of me. And he said, son, they can't make fun of you if you're making them. I'm going to do this really fast because I've said it so many times. And. And I said, oh, I don't know. So fortunately, he was relentless. I finally went and took time in the summer, worked on it before my junior or senior year in high school. Don't remember which year it was. Shot over 80% and just kept getting better. And then I wish I was smart enough to have made the change early in my career. But my last six years, I changed the technique a little bit, took the wrist out of it. My last six years, this is why I say I think I was the best free throw shooter. My last six years, I averaged over 92%. My last two years, I averaged over 94% shooting from the free throw line. And it's the only part of the game you can be selfish and help your team. Yeah. So there's the story in a nutshell. There you go. Uh, I don't. The, the part you haven't really explained though. Your dad was a pro, a semi-pro. Himself? He was a semi-pro player and coach. How, for for who was the NBA like around? No, no, semi, they have a they had semi-pro, so guys would play and they would pay him. It was just you know like different leagues in the East and stuff. I mean just. Was not interesting. It was no big deal. Back a long, long time ago, Cyrus. So yeah. Well, I'd love to, maybe another show. I'd love to learn more about that. That's that's interesting. Uh, here's a Rob Weber. Hi, Rick. It's Rob from San Jose. I've seen Draymond's recent comments about his teammates. During your career, obviously there was players you didn't get along with, but how did you make that work so that the team could be successful? Thanks. I don't appreciate the obviously there. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's obvious you haven't got along with people. Is that is that true? Did you not get along with people in the NBA? I don't. I don't. I don't. I haven't heard that. I, I never. I never had a serious issue with. That's what I thought. People. Yeah. I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of respect for some guys for various reasons or whatever. But as far as my teammates were concerned, um, hey, I didn't have to go to. I didn't. I didn't. So I wouldn't go to. Maybe I didn't go to dinner with them or spend a lot of time off the court. But if we're on the court, I don't care if I hated the SOB, which was never the case that I hated a teammate. Um, if he's open and has a better chance to score than I do, he's getting the ball from me. Right. You know, because that's what it's about. It's about winning the game, regardless of who gets it done, as long as it gets done and it's on your side of the scoreboard. That's all that really freaking matters. And so you you have to have the ability to not allow personal feelings affect the way that you deal with the situations that arise when you're on the court playing the game. As I say, I don't need to go to dinner with him. I don't have to visit him at his home. He doesn't have to come to my house. I don't have to sit next to him on the freaking plane or the bus. I mean, whatever. I mean, I could really not like him a lot, which I never really had someone that I felt that way about. But even if I did, it would be irrelevant. I mean, it wouldn't matter to me. Like, you know, even they say like, you know, Dennis Rob and all that stuff putting up with, Hey, 
I would have loved to have Dennis Rodman because he helped you win games. He rebounded. He played defense. You know, I, the biggest problem I had with him is that sometimes, you know, like when he put some of those wedding dresses on, he had the wrong color lipstick. It clashed. I just really, you know, like, what the hell is he doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was a rim shot there I did for the, for the listeners. Uh, here's uh, Greg. Let's hear, hear what he has to say. Hey, Rick, here's an off-the-wall question. When are we going to see mixed NBA with the women's NBA hitting 27 out of 30, whereas Steph hits 21, surely we're going to have three-point line manned, staffed, whatever, by women and let the men play bully ball down low. Um, am I crazy? Well, don't answer that question, but what do you think the chances are? Well, I will answer that question. You're crazy if you think there's ever going to be a game where women and men are going to play together and against one another. That, that's never, that's never going to happen. And hey, you know, kudos to the young lady who did that. I mean, that's impressive to miss only two. And I don't care what you're doing. That's great. That but she's not playing. She's not playing in the game with somebody guarding her, and she's not having to guard somebody. Uh, you know, so that's never going to happen. So accept it for what it is. And women's basketball has come such a long way. My wife ran women's basketball for 12 years, and I, I've seen that game grow tremendously you know nobody dunked the ball back then nobody was taking jump shots back then right i mean it, it's it's come a long way and i remember because i'm old enough to do it when i was growing up women played half court only three ladies played on one half and and the others they never crossed half court and they threw it over to the other team so they had defenders and offensive players you didn't know that cyrus i did not know that what, what, oh, yeah. what? I gotta look that up. Oh yeah, go look that up. Yeah, it was right. crazy. It was it was crazy. That back this when wasn't I was during high Lynn's playing days, was it? Like they weren't doing no, that. No, no, no. Lynn played okay. regular regular. She okay, doesn't okay. score. She's you know she set all kinds of record scoring. Only women to have her jersey retired at her alma mater. Well, yeah. Right. So this and, was uh, and, and I'm like, proud of the fact that she uh, distinction the only mother and son combination in the history of NCAA Division One basketball to have a mother be first team academic All America and have a son be first team academic All America that was Lynn and Canyon, and Canyon actually got Academic Player of the Year. Uh, so you know I'm, I'm proud of that and uh, and happy for them that they were able to do that. But well, it's, people- uh, trust me though, it's very difficult having two such so intelligent people around me all the time because they double team me all the time. Oh, you're challenged constantly, I'm sure. Uh, people don't realize this either. Yeah, let the audience know, what are Canyon's degrees in? Yeah, well, he, he got his degree got his, got his degree in, in physics, right? He was, in, he was in the Honors College in physics, and he has his master's in nuclear engineering. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's... He's working for L3 Harris, a big uh, engineering firm. That has a lot of they have a lot of top secret stuff in government and what have you. And and he's down in uh, West Melbourne, Florida, and he works for them. They're kind enough to be allowing him to take some time off. He's taking vacation days to be playing on the 3x3 FIBA national tour and the USA 3x3 national team, and and hoping to hang in there. He came so close to being an Olympian two days before the last Olympics when they were going to the qualifying tournament for for 3x3. He slipped on the floor, twicked his back, and couldn't play. And they missed by one game of making it to the Olympics. So now he's trying to see if he can play well enough and hang in there to hopefully maybe get chosen to play in next year's Olympics. So um, well, I'm he's on the track, right? I mean, he, he's he's on the best U.S. team, correct? Well, they have a number of people there. I mean, and, and then then they'll have to do a selection thing. So there's no guarantees gotcha. that he's going to get it. I mean, so he's just hoping that he'll have the opportunity to. Uh, to be on that team, it would be great because that was my biggest disappointment in my career is I missed out on being on the Olympic team. I thought I got 
you know, short changed as did a number of guys. I just talked actually to Wally Jones, you know, the fine player who was on the Philadelphia 76ers team. And, you know, he needed, he should have made it the way he played at the trials. A guy named Willie Morrell from K-State, same thing. John Thompson got screwed over and they didn't oh. give him chance to make it uh i have a great story for that <laughs> that, was, that was unbelievable i was on the team with john when we played in new york the last game of the trials and uh this was quite a story so but i'm not one that i'm gonna tell on the air anyway oh, okay. uh, I was, yeah i was like all ears uh here's a lee strambolis hey rick even though he was limited in the summer league games did anything stand out to you about Trace Jackson Davis? Thank yes. you, Rick. There you go. We talked a little bit about that. I got to see and I watched some video of him. And I think he does a lot of good things. I mean, he comes from a good bloodline. His dad was a hell of a nice player. Yes, sir. And, uh, and he's got some athleticism. I, I, I think with the proper tutelage and given the opportunity, I think he can be uh, – I think he can be an addition to the team for next year and, and provide some uh, – some good minutes for him. I really do. Well, I mean, and, and he, given he played all four years, I believe he's going to turn 24 this year. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you see, I was going to ask, I mean, you kind of answered it, but just to maybe add on to that, like how big of a role can you see him playing? Like, could he be part of the rotation? Will it be garbage time? Like, like how well, it just depends. It just depends on what he does at camp and what he does in the exhibition games. If you're given the opportunity to make the most of that, you know, I would tell him go out there, be a really tough defender and team defense, be a weak side defender to come and help and protect the rim a little bit, make it a little bit tougher, focus on that. And then when the opportunities are there, you know, you know, take advantage of the offensive opportunities that are there, you know, go attack the basket, finish strong. He's athletic. Um, and, you know, just try to impress them. But first and foremost, focus on being a good individual defender, but more importantly, a great team defender. And I think that will get the attention of Steve Kerr and his staff more so. They don't need offense. Okay? <laughs> right. No, they got you no. Know, they got three guys who can get you thirty any night, right? On a regular basis, you know, Clay and Steph and CP three. But if he's well, playing. we haven't even talked about and, Wiggins. I haven't heard you mention and Wiggins. Yeah, that's another yeah. one. You can get you thirty points every night. Yeah. As well, I mean, so Wiggins is another guy that's going to be there. And so, yeah, I mean, that the, the problem's going to be for Kaminga is where is he going to get the time? You know, where's he going to get the minutes? That's that's going to be a tough one. I hope he doesn't get frustrated by it. Uh, I'm sure he's I'm sure he was not thrilled about what happened in the playoffs. I mean, after no. playing the way he did and improving his game and then all of a sudden not seeing the light of day very often. Um, well, and the excuse is weird, Rick. I don't know. Like the excuse from Kerr was that. Kaminga basically plays the same position as Wiggins and Gary Payton the second, so there was no room for him. I mean, my, my thinking of that is, why can't you play them all together? I mean, I, this is a positionless game. I, 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 it was weird to me, the, the, the logic and reasoning behind it, but I'm with you that he, he, he's earned his place, and he's, a, he's such a talented player. Would, would you agree, this is my sentiment, let me know what you, if you agree or disagree with this, that I think the Warriors, if they're going to be world champions this year, if they're going to actually reach that that ultimate goal again, Kaminga's going to have to be a part of this. He's, he's too valuable. His skill set is, is, is too good. Um, he brings too much to the table. And his team lacks size and, and athleticism otherwise. He's one of the few young players on this team. I don't see how they could do it without him. Would you agree with that or no? Well, I would think that he has to be, a, he should be, an, you know, an important part of the success that they, 
hopefully we'll have next season. Uh, again, it just depends upon how well Wiggins is playing, obviously. Yeah. But then again, you can you can keep him fresh and do something. And you know, maybe you know, maybe Wiggins Wiggins plays twenty eight minutes and, and Kaminga gets twenty, and sometimes you know thirty something between the two of them because they're exactly. both you know very similar in that regard. Keep him fresh, play really hard. Um, the, the thing that was surprising last season with the playoffs was that Kaminga was shooting the ball, I think, over thirty five percent from thirty seven. Correct. Yes, and 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 Wiggins when he got back from all the time that he missed was terrible from three point range. Correct, and awful. terrible, awful. not not yeah. bad, but just god awful, awful, awful. And, yes, and, you know, hurt them some. So if that's the case, you know, I just didn't understand why you wouldn't have given Kaminga some time, you know, to see what he would be able to do. I, I that, but anyway, I, as I said, it's easy to sit around and second guess and everything, and you know, you're not there all the time. You don't know what's going on in practice. There's a lot of variables involved. And you have to then worry. You had to know, as a coach, you have to know the psyche of a guy. You know, if I were to do this to him, can he handle it? Can he not handle it? How's he going to react to it? I right. mean, there's so much more involved than it to just, you know, throwing a body in, throwing another body out. I, I had a tough decision last week in my big three game, you know, coaching, which were hanging tough. We had a big win. You know, Leandro Barbosa, who you know I love, you know, yes. former Warriors yes. warrior player. You know, and I took Leandro out in the second half of the game. Uh, you know, he'd take a couple of tough shots and all. And he had been scoring some points. And it's just one of those things, you know. I mean, I'm taking my guy who's like my best player out, right? I kind of felt like what Franklin Muley did to me in game seven against the Bulls in 75 in the championship of the Western Conference. He took me out of the game because I was so freaking bad. Now, Leandro wasn't all that bad, but I just had a feeling and I wanted to get some minutes and I put Dwan Summers in the game. Shit, Dwan Summers killed it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, he knocked down threes. He was, I mean, he played great. In fact, if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have won. And then my other guy, Jalen Johnson, did a great job. He's 26. He's got, I can't believe that some team hasn't given this kid an opportunity because he can pass the ball. He's got some talent. I mean, anyway, it is what it is. But we, we won the game. And so at least we're not going to be eliminated after the, our sixth game coming up in Boston this weekend. Even if we were to lose, which I hope we don't do, uh, our record would still be good enough to not be one of the teams eliminated from the chase to get to the playoffs. So good, good. we'll see. Awesome. Here's a, well, that's, that's a great, and, and do you have information in terms of uh, the big three, if people want to watch uh, the yeah, ball? Yeah, yeah, big three is on, you can see games there, you know, there's, they stream the game, CBS carries sometimes two or three games on CBS on, on their network, and, uh, and we Sundays play, normally, is it Sundays when they broadcast them? Or Saturday or Sundays, it depends, Saturday, it's Sunday, Sunday, it'll be Sunday, this coming Sunday in Boston, and, um, and so you can do that. And, you know, obviously tickets are available. They're not, you know, it's not like going to an NBA game. So it's affordable for the people to be able to attend. We've had some you know, nice crowds and the games have been extremely competitive. I mean, we've had really competitive games and, uh, and uh, I, I love my team. I, I, my guys have such a great attitude. Jody Meeks from Kentucky is there and Jeff Ayers is my, you know, my the big guy. And then I've got Jalen Johnson, who's my other player along uh, with Leandro and, um, just good guys who never quit. And we, we stunk it up at the beginning. We couldn't put it in the ocean. Oh, my God. We were down nine points. <laughs> and then we just fought back, played some tough defense, and did a lot of really good things. And wound up when we were down at halftime, wound up winning the game 50-42 to 42, uh, based upon my guys playing hard. And we were tied at 50, at 40. We were tied at 40. So, uh, but, Love you it. know, the whole thing about that when you're playing a game to 50 and that, hey, the team that's shooting the ball well is, is probably going to wind up winning because you have to make shots. I mean, make shots. And right. the beauty of that game, 
I think Leandro made two threes, but he wasn't what he didn't have one of his best games at all. But Jody, who's my great three point shooter, uh, he didn't shoot well. I think he only made one three pointer. He didn't have a particularly good game shooting. So we weren't shooting all that well from the outside. My big guy, Jeff, who could shoot threes, a seven footer, he couldn't make any. Um, but, you know, we came through when we had to, we did what you had to do. But that's why it's called a team. Right. <laughs> because people have to pick it up, you know, when the other guys aren't doing it. And my guys did. If it weren't for my my two guys who didn't start the way that they played in that game, we don't win. And so that's the same thing that happens sometimes a lot with the Warriors when they were winning championships. They would be behind. They put the bench in. Hell, a lot of times the bench would get them back in the game. And then the other thing you want, when you put your bench in, you want to hope that you keep your lead. Don't let the other team cut into it. If they just do that, they've done a great job, right? Just to hold fort, as they say, you know, just Absolutely. keep that lead. And the bench is a critical element to the success of any team, whether it's, you know, two guys in the five, you know, three on three game where you come off the bench and or it's on an NBA team where you have a whole bunch of guys on the bench. And that's why it's up to the coach to make the decision as to, you know, who do you put in? When do you put them in? And and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, I'm looking at the, the, the standings right now. If you go to big three dot com, uh, your team, Rick, the ball hogs, you're in fifth. You're only a game back. You're doing good. Well, we and we should be because we actually had a game taken away from us, which is unfortunate. I mean, we lost a game. We were up we were up 49-47 to a game to 50. The other team, we had 17 free throws, 17 fouls killed against us and three against the opposite. Yeah, you mentioned that last show. That's yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's, and that's, that's ridiculous. And then when you get yeah. a foul after six, if they make the free throw, they get two points in the ball back. They did that four times. And then a guy made a bank shot off the glass to beat us. Uh, to, to get it, you know, go to 50 to 49 and, and we wound up losing in overtime by two. But that's a game that was our game. If, if it was, it just was, it was one of those games that it wasn't called fairly, unfortunately, but yeah, you got to live through it. And we did a lousy job giving too many offensive rebounds. If we had just controlled that part of what we could control, we still would have won the game despite the officials. Right. Okay? Because I don't, I don't generally will not blame a loss on officials, okay? Because there are things you could have done better to help you win the basketball game. So we, and, and we could have won the other game we lost. It was really close going down the stretch. So we're very competitive, and hopefully we'll find a way to win this weekend and stay in the hunt and, and get to the playoffs. And it would be fun to get to the finals because the finals are going to be in London. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. How many yeah. games in the season? Because right now your team is three and two. Like how many Yeah, well, we've got, we've got Boston, Charlotte, Detroit and then the playoffs in okay. Washington DC. So that'll be there. And then and then the, the teams go on to the finals in London the weekend after that. And there's twelve teams in the league total. How many make the playoffs? The top eight? Well, two are getting knocked out now this weekend. So oh, we'll be wow. down to ten. And then I would assume that after Charlotte, they're liable to knock it down even more after that, uh, based upon the record. And then the same thing with the game in, up in Detroit to finally get to the guys that'll probably be, you know, four teams will probably wind up going to DC have semifinals there, and then the finals the next week. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, again, just check out big3.com. You can see the standings. Uh, Rick's ball hogs tied for – you're tied for second uh, with a three – a huge log jam. There's actually a one, two, three, yep. five teams tied for second place at three and two. Who are you playing this weekend? What's your opponent? We're playing Bivouac. Oh, Bivouac. Yeah, they're two and three. Okay. All right. right. Who's on so their team? Guys, that's we got to try Anyone? to beat them. But they're they're a good they're a good team. They've got some nice players, and uh, we just oh, yeah, they got they got Gerald Green. They got, I love that like it's all these ex NBA players. Gerald Green, Corey Brewer is on their team. Ryan Hollins, who's been trying to make a name for himself in broadcasting, is on that team. And you're playing against Gary Payton's club. 
Yeah. Oh my God! All right, I'm checking this out. I love it. I'm in on the big three. I think that. Yeah. Well, Gary, Gary, I don't know. I think Gary might something's happen. I don't know. If, I don't think Gary's going to be there and all. But anyway, why? Hopefully, hopefully, we'll play well. He's got some commitment or something he's got to do. But anyway, gotcha. hopefully, hopefully, we'll find a way to to play well enough to uh, to win that game. We'll see. I hope so too. I hope so too. Go go ball. All right. So anyway, it was good to catch up and talk. I hope everybody is having a good summer. I know it's been hot as could be here. That's why I'm up here in the mountains. It oh gets my back. god! Hey, it oh. might get up. It might get up to ninety here during the course of the day, but it goes down into the you know certainly in the sixties, even sometimes to the high fifties, and so it's uh, very tolerable. And there's no hum- the big humidity, the humidity, as my father used to call. I just went down to Miami. We had to do it. I came out of eating the restaurant with. Rolando Riquetti, a guy that I did some work with for 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 Lean Title Company, <laughs> he and his and his wife, and we came, I came, I walked out of the restaurant after we ate. Oh my God, the heat and humidity hit me. It was late at night. It was brutal. That's why I know what it's like. That that's why even though I'm a Florida resident, and I spent a little over half the year there. I don't want to be down there this time of the year. It's well, just. Did you, did you hear what the ocean temperature is for the Florida coast? No. The water the water there it, it, the hottest in history. Uh, it's a hundred degrees. The what? Yes, off the coast of Florida right now. It's like literally going into a jacuzzi. Insane. Yeah, unbelievable. So, That's same. Same Colorado right now. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> All right. All the best to you. Take care, Cyrus. See everybody. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.